Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do The Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome to Do the Work with Christy. I feel so happy to have two of my favorite humans here on the podcast with me today. I have Stephen Ashworth and my son, Ross Reeves. And Stephen and Ross actually grew up mostly together. Um, We moved into Stephen's neighborhood when, were you guys in third grade, Ross and Stephen? Yeah. Okay, good. Anyway, I'm excited to have them here today because we're going to talk about something that affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But first of all, will you guys just tell tell us a little bit about you? Ross, why don't you start? Yeah, so like she said, I'm Ross. I am am her son. (laughs) Uh, I grew up in Orem, and now I'm living in Honolulu with my wife, Courtney. We've been married for a little over a year got married last December, and I'm on my third year of college basketball. Awesome. Thank you, Rossi. You grew up in mostly Highland, but moved to yeah. Orem, right? Yeah. and Orem, but Orem's is the most recent, so I claimed that one a little bit. Okay, good. <laughs> How about you, Steve-O? Tell us a little about you. Hey, everybody. Super happy to be here on the pod today with Christy and Ross. Uh, these guys are some of my best friends, closest family, outside of family, and so I'm super excited. I grew up in Highland, Utah, have lived there. My family's lived there for about 17 years now. That's where I met Ross. He beat me in one-on-one the very first day we ever met, and I knew that we were going to be good friends. That was the first and last time I beat him in one-on-one. <laughs> that may be true, but I knew that Ross was going to be a huge a huge friend in my life just because of our relationship from basketball. And then off the court, we got to know each other super well, and that that friendship has only grown. I served a mission in Indianapolis for two years, and then I'm currently playing basketball up at Utah State. I also, during my time playing basketball up there, I got married to my best friend, Peyton, who I met in high school at Lone Peak. And we have kind of a fun connection. A lot of my family's from Las Vegas, and she grew up in Las Vegas. And so we have some of those close ties, which is really fun. And then she's been a huge support of, of me up at Utah State, which has been great. That's sweet. Thank you, Stephen. I don't know if you know this. I actually play tennis with Peyton's mom. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's she's a great, great connection. Yeah, she's really great. That's good. Ross, anything else you want to add about you after you just heard Steve-O's? Okay. Well, I wish Stephen would went first. <laughs> Courtney is also my best friend. No, but just, yeah, just like right after high school, I started my mission in Las Vegas. So a little bit of that connection as well. But yeah, that's, that's all I got for my introduction. I'm, I'm saving mine for later when we get into the podcast, we can dive in deep into that. Okay. You guys are awesome. Okay. So I was on a run the other day and I was just thinking, cause I have, I have different clients. I have some youth that I work with and mostly adults and parents who come in and they're hurting. They're hurting for their kids because either you know they're they're not doing well on their team, or they didn't make the lead in the play, or you know their art project wasn't picked for the art show. And 
their child's hurting, they're hurting, they're talking a lot about anxiety, depression. And uh, I was on my run the other day and I just thought, what conversation could we have that might be helpful to individuals that are having maybe different experiences, but very similar emotional and um, mental responses to our experiences. So I thought of you two playing, both of you play basketball and you've played since you were little uh, together. So I, what I really, what, you know, I could sit here and talk about other people all day, but when I think about what happens in us when we're playing sport, what, what, like what comes out in us, I was playing tennis the other day. Uh, well, not the other day, a few months ago, there were these two men playing next to us. And this guy, they were playing for fun. Like they weren't even in a real match. This guy's dropping the F-bomb. He's like chucking his racket. He's so mad. And I was like, wow, I wonder what's going on with him that he would be so upset about, you know, that he missed a shot. And then I, you know, had a quick flashback to myself almost falling over the railing at a basketball game yelling at a dad. And I'm like, you should go about you. I just was going berserk. Or when I was first married, someone was saying, sit, sit Reeves down, talking about my husband, sit him down. He can't hit anything. And from like two rows, I can't remember if I was above, I think I was below this guy. I'm like, really coming from the guy who's in the stands? Like you're going to tell him to, that he can't hit anything. You know, I was, I was like, this is actually going to be really good for me as well. I'm mo- much more aware of where these kinds of feelings and uh, responses are coming from today. I'm actually very aware of where they're coming from today. But I don't profess to be great at this. And I, I really don't profess. Like, we're human. We are going to have different emotions. And I just wondered for you two, because now you've you've both kind of, you've both had a dream to play at your high schools, and then you had a dream to play in college, and you're experiencing those dreams. But I want to know, so what are some of the, what are some of the things you love about playing ball, and what are some of the things that are hard about playing ball? And Steve, how about you go first this time? Yeah, it's um, interesting because I think that as we've already talked about a little bit, before hopping on today, so much of our personality and so much of who we identify as comes from putting a ball through a hoop and being a basketball player. And I think that when I'm out in the community or when I see things on social media, everybody really views me as that, as a basketball player. And so I think it can get difficult sometimes when that isn't going as well as you would hope, or you're not playing to the abilities that you know you can everybody in a way starts to think less of you, but at the same time, they're thinking less of you in an aspect or in a space that really doesn't matter eternally. And it doesn't have that significance on whether or not I can, you know, be worthy to go to the temple or to, you know, do things that matter in an eternal perspective. And I think for me, being up at Utah State, it's a very tight knit and small community. So just about everywhere, I go in the community, whether it's to a restaurant or to either just like other sporting events, people are going to recognize, you know, that I play on the basketball team, whether they know my name or not, they may just recognize, oh, I've seen him on, on the court. How do I recognize him? And so 
some of those things can become difficult. Like I mentioned, if you don't have that correct perspective. And I think that being married has been a huge help in just reminding me that I have so many other titles than just basketball player, that I'm a husband. Eventually I hope to be a father and, you know, I'm, I'm a son of God. And I think when we first started talking about the potential of hopping on a podcast together and talking about some of these things and how we can cope with some of this, I thought instantly to my mission and how difficult the first few months of my mission were for me with anxiety or feelings of depression. And I think it came from what you mentioned at the start of this is that we don't really understand who we are outside of some of these things and it can be anxious for us. And so when I started to really realize that I have more purposes outside of basketball, I've also seen myself start to excel in that because I'm not putting as much pressure on myself. I'm not thinking it's the end of the world. If I have one bad game, I know that there's so much more beyond that. And so I think that those type of things have been a huge mindset change, but also help as I've kind of navigated this space. Steven, I love what you said, because when, when we're young and really, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but what happens is we attach instead of I play basketball, like I play Monopoly, I play basketball, right? We, we say I am a basketball player and that's, I mean, it's true in a sense, but really it's not true. The truth is you are a whole person. You are a spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual person and basketball, throwing a ball through a circle is one of the things that you do. Right. So I, I love that, that you are spot on that learning how to separate who we are and what we do is critical. This is not reserved to basketball. I work with um, many adults who come in that struggle at their work. You know, they're, they feel afraid and scared and what if they don't think that I'm great at what I do. So this won't just stop when you stop throwing basketballs, you know, this, this, invitation to connect your worth to what you do will be for the rest of your life now, but you can get really good at being like, no, I know what that is. I know who I am and I know what I do. So that's great. Thank you. Thanks. No, that's so true. I'd add one other thing too, that like, I think we get taught so often in just life to find purpose in everything that we do. And so I think I've, I've figured out a way that basketball has given me so much purpose for my days. Like, basically all of my schedule revolves around when am I going to work out? How am I going to eat? So I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. like nourishing my body for these things. And so I think it goes to work as well. We try to make sure our work has so much purpose for us that when things go awry, you think that's the only thing that can give you purpose in life, but there's so much more. And it's like, it's something that we do, but you can do so many other things that continue to give you that meaningful purpose. So, so, so true. Thank you. Okay. Anything to add to that, Ross, or we move on? Do you want to share? Yeah, I just want to add one thing. It's funny that Stephen brought up his mission as well and kind of like what you were saying, Mom, how people just like put worth in every different thing, whether it's a sport or not. I remember being in high school and I'd put so much pressure on myself based off like how I did or not. And I remember thinking like, man, I cannot wait to be done with basketball just so like this pressure can leave. Like I, I can just be free of that pressure. Yeah. And then the next thing that I focus, cause that, cause that's what I, like what I focus on most. Then the next thing I focus on most was my mission. 
And then I put that same pressure I felt on basketball, but on my mission. Mm. Like, am I, am I good enough? And so I was just relating to what you were saying, mom, how it's every aspect of life of like the, the worth that we put or the pressure we put, it doesn't go away based on the situation that we're in. It doesn't. A lot of times we put our worth, like what we're most focused on in that aspect, because that's what we're doing a lot of the time. And so like, that's when I really realized is like, Oh, this isn't just a basketball thing. This is a, I got to figure out what's inside of me thing. So just adding on to what you guys were saying, it's, it's continuing until you fix it kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's, I actually think it's continuing until you're dead. <laughs> like it's actually just this. So the truth is our worth is fixed. We are literal children of heavenly parents that cannot change. There's nothing we can do that would change it. But because there has to be opposition in all things, there has to be an opposite message, right? Which is you're not enough. You're not good enough. You know, to what both of you were saying, Ross, you, you experienced that on your mission and Steve-O for different places. You know, you walk in, you have a bad game. What the opposite message is you're not enough. So if I play good enough, if I'm a good enough missionary, if my parents think I'm good, if I, you know, if all the people think I'm nice, whatever it is, if we don't know how to say I'm enough, I matter. And I don't need to hustle for my worth. I already have it. I'm here to play a game or I'm here to serve a mission. And for those of you who don't know, Stephen and Ross are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they both chose when they were 18. Were you both 18 when you went? to little yeah. tiny baby boys. They left. <laughs> it felt like that. I watched you leave. Uh, they chose to go and um, serve and teach people the doctrine and bring people into Jesus Christ through that service. So it's such a beautiful connection, Ross. It doesn't matter if I'm on a court, if I'm in a church, Stephen, you mentioned a business office. It doesn't matter where I'm at. If I don't have the tools and know how to validate myself, recognize where my worth lies, then I'm going to, I'm going to struggle. Yeah. I'm going to constantly improve. Sorry, can I add one more thing to that? Please. And I was going to say too, when we struggle at whatever we're focused on, it's interesting because we always predetermine like what other people are thinking or what's going to happen if we're not doing good. And that's why I think we always are kind of hurting our worth or bringing our worth down is because let's say I have a bad basketball game. I'm immediately thinking everyone who watched me and my family or friends, like, they think I'm bad at basketball now, or they think like I'm not working hard. You know what I mean? It's just like, they don't tell me that sometimes. I mean, sometimes people make comments like it happens, but a lot of times it's me thinking what they're thinking, even though I have no idea. And so that's why it's so hard to keep your worth like steady is because I'm making this roller coaster of what people think of me. Because when I play good, I'm like, everyone thinks I'm that guy. You know what I mean? Like everyone thinks I am great, but I'm just like making yeah. a roller coaster. That's why it's so hard to keep it steady at different things. Yeah. Steve-O. Thanks. I was thinking as well, like as not as outsiders, because in a way we're all outsiders to what everybody else's purpose is, but as individuals, what do you think is the best solution to making just a more positive experience for each other in these spaces and in these spheres where like, there's a lot of times that Ross and I maybe are talking and I'm asking Ross so much about basketball. Right. And it's like, and I think Ross can attest as well that most of the conversations that individuals approach me about, 
they're going to be asking me about basketball. And so I think that sometimes if somebody's really good at the violin or is really good at pickleball or tennis, those conversations naturally happen. And I think they start to identify themselves as only those types of things, because that's what other people ask me about. And so do you think there's like a healthy balance and maybe some advice for us to when we communicate with others, letting them know that we see them as more than just a great violinist or a great pianist or singer or basketball player. And by the way we communicate with them, we can show that to them. Yes. That's a great question, Stephen. I, I, I love that question. And I want to, this will apply to both of that. Ross, back to what you were saying when you said, you know, I, I think what people are thinking about me, the, the greatest tool that I have. So again, it doesn't matter if you're on the court. It doesn't matter where you're at. We, we do that often. We think, oh, what are you thinking about me? And so I have a personal boundary for myself. When I find myself, myself in someone else's head, get out. Like that's just my personal rule. When I'm thinking, oh, they must think, or I wonder if they're feeling, they got, they have to be feeling. I'll say to myself, I'm in their head, get out. And here's another one that I love actually from AA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. They have a saying that what other people think of me is none of my business. Yeah, that's great. I like that. So truly, if you're on the court or if you're at work or if you're, you know, playing the violin and the concert and you make a mistake or you don't have a great game or you don't get the bid at work and you, you find yourself spinning, thinking of what other people think of you, what other people think of me is none of my business. And then for me, I'll just repeat, I'm enough. I matter. I'm worthy of love. Like I'm not here to prove that I'm good. And so Stephen, to your question, when I can get out of other people's heads, I'm much more likely to be able to see the individual to see the person, to be able to see them as more than a basketball player or as a violinist or as a CEO or, you know, a mother. So maybe your question comes back to to maybe a personal habit that you create in yourself, which is I'm going to see the person and not the project. So if you run into someone who's a violinist, it would be perfectly fine to say, Hey, I saw that you were in that, you know, competition and how'd it go. And then not just how did it go, but here's the second and the third question. How did you feel? How does it feel coming off or going on? And then what else do you like to do? I know you post a lot about your violin or I know, you know, I know you mostly as a violinist. What else do you like to do? I think those are great ways to just illustrate the conversation that you can have with an individual that shows them so much more than just how'd the concert go? Yeah. Because I was thinking as well, when you said three questions, I started thinking of, okay, what could these be? Yeah. And you said, how did it go? And I said, okay, that's what I was thinking. Another one that just instantly came to mind was what was your preparation like? Hmm. You know, I think that whenever we see somebody doing something, really spectacular in any sphere, you can instantly have an appreciation for the effort or something that went into obtaining that task. And so, and then I think it opens the door to so many other communications and other conversations you could have with an individual outside of their one kind of sphere that you know them as. Oh, Stephen, 
you know what, to have real connection with another person. So you guys have interactions with people all the time, right? It, you People are like, hey, because they recognize you or, you know, your professors might know you a little better and treat you a little differently because of whatever you do in your sport. But for someone to have real connection, there has to be four things coming from both people. If I want to have a deeply connected relationship with someone, and I'm not saying you want to be like, deeply connected to the violinist, but to have a connected experience with, with her or him, both people have to be honest, humble, responsible, vulnerable, and charitable, right? So those five behaviors. So vulnerable is being willing to ask a second and third question. And vulnerable is also being willing to answer a second and third question. Responsible would look like, okay, I'm responsible for myself here. I don't, they don't need to make me feel good in this conversation. I don't need to make them feel good. So notice with honest, humble, responsible, vulnerable, charitable, and I'm not talking casseroles. I'm talking like you get to say something that you might think is, I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to, I'm going to see the best in you in how you respond, right? When we can show up that way, even if the other person doesn't, we will see them. We'll hear them. It will, we will have a different experience. So that second and third question are really critical. And then learning how to be a connectable human being. Those five things. Okay. Great questions. Thank you. Um, Any other thoughts on that before I move on? I would add one thing that has just been kind of coming back into my mind. And I think you mentioned it of getting out of their head. Once you find yourself in their head, you tell yourself, okay, I need to get out. And I think that especially for this younger generation, I wish I would have known that growing up. Mm -hmm. Even I like, I'm glad that I know that now I didn't, you know, I can think back to even the past few days of just, it's the off season of basketball. There's obviously a lot of opinions about, what I should do with my future and and what I should be, you know, working towards. And I start to think about what other people are thinking and it never sends you into a positive headspace. You're always, you know, and I think that's a lot of times the root of anxiety is what ifs. And by being in somebody else's head, you're never going to know for sure. So it's a big major what if. So I really like that advice for all, you know, all generations, but especially, especially, the younger generation with social media and the influence that has on our thoughts of so many what ifs. And as soon as you can recognize that and get out of those what if moments, I think is such a benefit to our mental health. Spot on, spot on. Yes. What, what our listeners can't see is these guys raising their hands on their, you guys are using the We're same master. You're fantastic. Anyway, I see your hand, Ross, get share with us. Um, just, adding on to like getting out of people's head. Cause when you think about it, when you're in someone else's head, you're also in your own head. Like you're not really thinking of why, of why you're playing or doing what you love to do. And when Stephen was saying that I was thinking of, if I just thought of why I choose to play basketball every time I'm in someone's head, like that kind of takes, like I play basketball cause it's fun. Like I'm not playing basketball to impress people. I'm playing basketball cause I've had fun with it for 15 plus years. You know what I mean? So I think bringing it back to the beginning of why you chose it when you were six years old, it's the same reason when I'm 23 years old, that will help also just kind of stay in the present of what you're doing. 
So true. That what is my motive? Why am I here? You bring it right back. It's really good. I play tennis, as I mentioned earlier, and um, I, I'm I'll be 53 in April, and I will often like if we're down like three five and this team's good. I know we're just headed down. I'm literally thinking of the conversations I'm going to have with my teammates or with my family to just help them understand why it was three six and the diva. You know, I just wasn't hitting my shot. The other person, you know, it is amazing how often I leave the court in an effort to try to control what other people think of me. But guess what? I'm not going pro. I'm not even going to college. I'm, I'm going nowhere but home to do the dishes after I'm done with my tennis. And so the fact, I mean, this is just evidence of how shame affects us. And when I use the word shame, I don't mean I've done something bad. It's that feeling of I'm not enough. I don't matter. I'm not, you know, another word is maybe our ego. I don't know. Any Use any of them. What it is, is it's a false message that somehow I have to prove my worth. So Thank you to both of you. Really great comments. I think if really all we ever talked about on this one podcast was how, you know, maybe examples of when we're in other people's heads and how to get out, it would be very beneficial. That is a human experience because we want, we want to belong. Right. And so ultimately underneath that, all that caring about what everyone thinks is a deep need to belong. So yeah, Steve-O. I think I like, I'd love to share just an example. Like I've had recently yeah. about that is the, the season's been over and we've been starting to play pickup basketball, which is for those who don't know, it's really just unorganized basketball where you get together as friends and you just play for fun. Yeah. The score doesn't really always matter. And you're just rotating through different teams. And I find myself as soon as those games are starting, I feel that pressure and that sense that I need to prove myself or I need to do something more. And I'm, and I think that we can recognize that when we get into new groups and new situations, there may always be that pressure, no matter what the circumstances based on our, maybe our personalities or, or our past, whether it's sports, whether it's a new friend group, whether yeah. it's a new school or yeah. a new job. There's going to be those pressures that you have to do external things to show your worth and show your value. But I think that we mentioned it earlier on in the podcast, if we can come back to the fact that we're children of God or, you know, we have other purposes outside of work or school or basketball. I, I'm a husband. I'm a son. Right. I have a family. I have others who. You're a garbage can, taker outer. Um, yeah, I'm a garbage taker outer. I'm a, I am one of the best after dinner dishes cleanup guys there is around you got all kinds of stuff and i don't trust myself in there unless i'm making pancakes and breakfast that's what i'll do but outside of that i'm I'm gonna be washing the dishes and i'm super grateful that she cooks all the good meals no sorry yeah i interrupt but you have family yeah yeah, exactly there's all those different things that we can you know we can express our our interests our values in a different way and and i like I'm excited to go play pickup again because now with this new information and knowledge, I know that, you know, I don't need to prove myself. I can just go have fun. Obviously I know that I'm a really talented basketball player. I've spent a lot of time at it. And so in some instances that confidence can just give you the worth that you need. You don't need 
the external factors of what other people or things like that. So, Because the funny thing is probably everyone playing at that pickup is worried that they have to prove themselves. And so no one's actually focusing on the other person. They're all like, oh, I hope people are, you know, because I, I do the same thing. I, I've been with my team for my third year now, and I we go on the court for practice. I'm like, I have to show them I'm good. But it's like, I played with these guys for three years, but I'm sure all of us are thinking that. Yeah, that's it's really good, you guys. That is, it is, I think, especially when you grew up on a stage. So a gym is a stage, you know, if you're, if you're really good at something, I was working with a physician the other day and he was frustrated by a way that he had shown up. He didn't like that. He was quick to defend and impatient with, um, his wife actually in, in a setting. And I said, tell me about, I want to know, like when you were a kid, were you the smart one in class? And he's like, oh yeah. I was like, so like, all your pictures got put up on the pay, you know, board or on the wall or all you, you know, you were the one that was kind of put out in front as he's like, yes, I was smart. And as we talked about it, I said, can you see how now you've gone through medical school? You've been a physician for many years. He's a specialized kind of physician and how, when someone challenges your ability or your credibility, you know, by just really even asking a question that sometimes that fear that I'm like, I don't matter. You don't think I'm good. Well, let me shut that down in about two and a half seconds. You know, but that's that same thing. It really doesn't matter. It's that when, when, especially when you grow up and you've been on a stage of any kind, those thoughts of what do people think of me? I have to be good. You know, honestly, we do share and we do show up and feel fear about what do people think of us? And am I still good? Do you still think I'm good? When in reality, my question to you individually is, do you, are, do you believe you have worth? Because if you believe it, God knows it. No one else's opinion actually really matters. It's good. Thanks, you guys. Okay. When you lose a game or you don't shoot well, you don't rebound or defend well, what are some of the thoughts and feelings um, that you have? I, I I can share almost every time I don't have a good game. And for me, it's interesting. It honestly always kind of leads back to like scoring when I don't have a good, like I can have a good rebounding assist steals game, but if my scoring isn't good, I'll consider it like a bad game, which isn't good, but I've just, done that over time i always lean immediately to fear like well will will, will my minutes go down next game will courtney's waiting outside i'm not nervous to see her but i'm worried to walk past the students who all watch the game who will hopefully they don't have something to say but that's mine i always when i don't have the game i think i should have it's just it's usually fear what my coaches are thinking or what's going to happen next kind of thing Thank you, Ross. Oh, Steve, we can't hear you. Are you muted? Yes, I was. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> there was a little bit of noise and I forgot that I was not. <laughs> no a, worries. No worries. <laughs> I was muted. But I can totally understand and, and see the perspective Ross is having there. Because after a game like that, especially when you've been doing something for very long, you have these expectations of yourself outside of what you think others are just expecting from you. 
And so for me, I could also sense the feelings of disappointment, um, anger a little bit at times outside of the initial reaction of possible fear. And I think that for me, it's been interesting because as the season has progressed, there's been really, really meaningful games that were going to determine our future of whether we were going to play in postseason, make it to March Madness, play in the championship game of the Mountain West Tournament Mm -hmm. and things like that. And there was nerves there. There was pressure there. And a lot of the the communication I had with my wife and even with coaches as well before those types of games is, you know, it's okay to be nervous because that means you care. And I think in life, it's important to find things that we really care about. At the same time, struggling to find that perspective that after the result is finished, there's not much you can go and do about it. There's really nothing you can go and do about that past result. And so how can we keep our perspective in a way that for the future, we can learn, we can grow, we can improve while keeping our focus in a way that in the, once again, in the eternal sphere, it's not going to matter. It's much more going to be about how do I react to these experiences? Because I think that sports work, uh, hobbies can teach us so much about how we can react to other of life's biggest challenges and struggles that will be much more proud or disappointed in how we react to those things than we do to a win or a loss of a basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Stephen. Thank you. That is, that's the challenge. And that's why I wanted to have the conversation today is can I really separate who I am from what I do? And I love what you said, like basketball will end. Basketball is going to come to a screeching halt for both of you at some point. You, I don't know when that will be for either of you. It may be when you, it's just going to be at some point, basketball is going to end and you're going to be put on the church team and you're going to go, what happened? How, (laughs) wait a minute. Do these people know who I am? (laughs) In truth, my hope is that you'll play with the church team, that you'll play with your kids, that you'll be okay with not being the best. And the only way you're going to be okay with that is if you know how to separate your worth from the game that you play. That, that's a that's a piece that is just so, so critical that individually, I, I'm already enough. I'm, I'm here to learn, grow, and progress. I'm not here to prove that I can put a ball through a hoop. Yeah, Ross. Adding on to that, like those feelings that are painful after a game or after a, like, a, like a hard, like where you play, didn't play where you wanted to or what you were saying. It's so important to bring God into the situation because I loved my mission and I taught about Jesus Christ and I taught about that every day, literally for like 16 hours a day, you know, yeah. Yeah. but then you get in the heat of the moment and sometimes it's kind of hard to remember that. But I, I was saying like, I felt, I feel fear when sometimes when I don't play good. And sometimes I don't play good and it works out and I'm, I have a good mentality of like, oh, it'll, it's all right. Yeah. But a lot of times when that doesn't come, if I bring God into it, it always helps. Like all over the scriptures, it says like God can't lie. Jesus Christ can't lie. And so I, I, I took that to heart and I was like, okay, Heavenly Father, like I want to know how you feel about me. Like if you love me, like help me to feel peace right now. Like help me to just feel Good. And sometimes I, I, I feel it immediately. And sometimes I really just pray, pray, pray. And then I know it comes. And then when 
that feeling comes again of like the fear or I I didn't do as good as I should have, I will literally vocally say like, I'm going to trust you, God. Like I trust you that that you do love me. I trust that you will help me feel better because when I feel God's love, it's okay if person that I go to school with doesn't love me or doesn't think I'm good because I feel that. And that's when it's like, it's so when when I'm aligned with him, I mean, it's easier said than, you know, I, I say, I'm like, why well, don't I do it all the time? You know, but oh, yeah, no, I get it. When I do do it, it's night and day and the pressure of everything is just gone. And it, it comes back to being a game. Yeah. You, it's like, you remember who you are. You see the game for what it is. You recognize that you have one God, you know, there was a point in my life where I was, I was, you know, go through the 10 commandments. Like, yeah, I'm not killing people. I'm not stealing things. Like I'm nailing this, you know, I I've got this, no. <laughs> but one of the 10 commandments is thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when I realized that I cared about what other people thought of me, I'm making them my God. Yeah. So when you think of it that way, like you've got a whole arena of gods that are like, putting an opinion on whether you have worth or not. But when you just, when you obey that command to have no other gods before me, it's just you and him. Mm -hmm. And back to that feeling that you described, Ross. So thank you, Stephen. I think something that kind of hit me as Ross was explaining that of, of putting God first and keeping that perspective is that I think it becomes so much easier in these hard times when we do it consistently in the best of times. And I think that that can yeah. be sometimes forgotten about these perspectives is that, you know, what? when I have a 30 point game and I didn't really miss and I didn't have turnovers and the team won at those times, I think it can be just as hard to forget who we are. No doubt. And, you know, we're, we're fed with this false sense of pride or joy. And if we can come back and stick to that humility in those good times, then I think it's much more easy for us to access the power of our loving Heavenly Father when times aren't going our way. And so that was just kind of what struck me as Ross was explaining that. When you're not on the high, right? Because the high is like, I, yes, this is, this is it. This is what I was, you know, for. Thank you for those thoughts. You made me think of, I, I, um, there's just, so many times in our life where we get that feed, that feeding of like, you're amazing. Oh my gosh, you did what? And it feels really good. And it can be 39 seconds when you're alone, walking your dog out in the freezing cold or, you know, driving your car and you're like, where is everybody? Like it doesn't last because it's cotton candy, right? It's not, it's not a meal. It's not meat. It's not, vegetable it's not something that's going to nourish us it's just flattery and it feels nice but it doesn't sustain because our worth comes from god if we're looking for it in any other place but from him we're going to be on that roller coaster that's Mm -hmm. you know the white roller coaster at lagoon for those of you that live in utah without a seatbelt, it's going to feel like you're just flying around on that thing going off steven and ross I didn't I I couldn't love you both more. Thank you for having this conversation. Thank you for being vulnerable. I am so excited for children and adults to hear two people that are willing to be aware of their thoughts and their feelings who also work their tails off to be really good at what they do. I love you both. I hope for 
good things and hard things in your life so that you can get really good at practicing these principles, believing that you matter, believing that what other think of you, other people think of you as none of your business and that your worth is already fixed. It's not going anywhere. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks, Mom. You will have a lot of choices to make in your day. I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire, and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.